We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome along to The Professionals. It is Sunday night, six o'clock, an hour and a half of me, Mitch and Stu, chewing the fat about Newcastle United. Good evening, lads. Good evening, Steve. Yes, very good, uh, very good. Uh, got the uh, Manchester United game on in the background, so I'll uh, keep people updated with that. 2-2 two, two at the moment, been another good game. Uh, when I say another good game, I mean to join uh, Newcastle's game yesterday. 3-2, Manchester City won uh, the game. Um, I was there, uh, got to be honest, um, I... I took Newcastle to win two uh, two one, and at half time I was smiling because uh, I thought I was I was going to get it right uh, that Newcastle were going to do do well. And the first half, um, although Manchester City dominated play, Newcastle went at them, uh, gave it gave it a good shot and scored what can only be described as two quality goals. Um, you know, three great goals in the first half. Of course, Manchester City's opener was sublime. But uh, goals from Isaac and Gordon, which were, were equally as good, um, you know, meant Newcastle went in at the interval 2-1 up. Second half, what happened, you know, uh, it depends who you speak to. We all look at the game differently. For me personally, um, I felt Newcastle did what they did against PSG and did against Chelsea. They came out. Um, they decided to sit back and hold on to their lead. Um, the problem with that is that when you invite a team as good as Manchester City uh, to attack you, um, even at your own ground, they're going to do it and they're going to do it well. Um, and although they didn't get the, the rewards that their chances probably deserved in that first 15 or 20 minutes of that second half, um, it was it, the script was already written. De Bruyne uh, coming off the bench. Um, Carrying a bit of weight, it's got to be honest. Like, I, it, you know, it, it was like watching Jan Mulby warm up and, and, and come onto the pitch. Those of you who remember big old Jan, um, but by God, exactly like Jan Mulby could, uh, De Bruyne can pick a pass. Um, big mistake were made standing off him. Um, you know, Joe Linton players that wouldn't have happened. Joe Linton would have rattled him in the first five minutes. Uh, De Bruyne would have been concerned. Nobody got anywhere near him. We gave him the freedom of St. James's Park for me. Um, and that goal, you know, it that's that's what he brings to the table. 
Uh, and then, you know, you know, coming into injury time and, and he just plays a sublime ball. Bob weaves his way through and, and you know, slots it past Dubravka. Newcastle lose the game undeservedly. I think a point and a draw would have been a fair result. I think Newcastle put their best effort in. After the second goal, when in Newcastle did try to, 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 to get back into the rhythm and get back into the goal scoring rhythm, but they, you know, it, I don't think we're good enough to do that. I, and especially with the personnel we had available, I just don't think it was possible to do it. I thought yesterday, Dubravka and, and Almiron were probably my man of the matches. I thought Dubravka kept us in it at times, pulled off some wonderful saves. Certainly starting to find a rich vein of form and, and showing the reason why Newcastle fans rated him before he went across to Manchester United. Um, and I, I thought Almiron, you know, ran his little socks off yesterday. Um, you know, he tried, he tried everything he could. There was, there was, a, there was a couple of decent performances. I was sitting with Keith Patterson and and um, and John yesterday. Johnny Allen, uh, they came, they came to the game. Uh, me, me brother and my dad didn't go yesterday, and. Um, you know, the frustrating thing about the first half was that was that they were targeting Dan Byrne, as most teams do. Byrne got to grips with it, I thought, but um, they had their own problems down there, left hand side. You know, Newcastle were you know pushed, Trippier was pushing up on the right. Um, their left their, their left hand side was was weakened because I think I think what they were doing was playing somebody slightly out of position. But they're a world class team, and and the point of me making a short this morning because. You know, as always, social media goes into meltdown. I was getting messages off people who I know and, you know, lots of you guys out there who maybe contact us on social media um, who are in the chat tonight, you know, like venting your spleen last night or, you know, or, or having a moan. And rightly so, we got beat. But, you know, I've, I've just tried to say to you, you know, don't panic. Calm down. It hasn't been a great week, right? We'll beat Sunderland. And then we've had Darren Eels come out and dampen everyone's expectations. We had Eddie Howe on Friday, dampening anyone's expectations. But and then we've lost a game. We should have, you know, most people feel like we should have won. But we've lost against the best team in the world, man. The te that team's won everything in the last calendar month, uh, last uh, twelve months. Um, there's nothing to be, there's nothing to be downhearted about. And you know, do you believe everything Eddie Howe and Darren Neal says? Do you believe we're not going to bring anybody in? You know, wait and see. Wait and see until the end of the transfer window. They may well bring somebody in. They may well go into the loan market. But for me personally, I'm not too downhearted. We've now got two weeks. Two weeks where hopefully at least Harvey Barnes may make a return. And, you know, Joe Willock won't be too far behind him. And, you know, suddenly we might get a little bit of luck. That's what we need uh, to turn things around. The, the, the Fulham game's the big one for me. We need to beat Fulham. Keep the FA Cup running going. Keep our season alive. And then start to find some form in the league. But that's my view. Um, you know, not very often now I, I will have a, a rant, but um I just wanted to get that across because I was at the game, I was there, and, and I thought the atmosphere was great. I, I didn't think I didn't think the you know, some people are saying, Why were they going on a flag march? War flags doing a flag march like two hours before the game. What use is that? They were all tired, they weren't singing. Rubbish. Listen, the atmosphere yesterday I felt was good. Uh, Newcastle fans got behind that team <coughs> as they could. Um, yes, people people left when the third goal went in. Some people left it two two. Um, you know, I, I've got to be honest. When the third goal went in, we had three minutes of injury time. I started making my way down the stairs, and by the time I got out of the ground, 
just got out of the ground. The game had finished, but we'd lost the game. We'd lost the game three two. You know, you want to get home. You want to, you know, you want to get an advantage if you get in the bus or the metro than do it. But you know, I, I stay behind most games and, and clap the team off the pitch. But last night, I just, you know, you sat, you're sitting in cold temperatures. You just want to get home, and I don't blame anybody for doing that. You know, it's up to you. To, you know, you you pay your ticket, you take your choice. But I thought the crowd were. I thought the crowd were good yesterday, and I thought the half past five kickoff. Uh, it's always a good. It's always a good atmosphere. People have had a good sup before the game. Some people are out at eleven and twelve, you know, and everyone was up for it last night. There's people, people in our stand, and the in the, the Millburn's one of the worst for singing. I feel because the director's box is there, etc. But you know what? There's people around me, war flags waving their flags. There was people standing and singing. I thought the atmosphere was good yesterday. I I don't know what it was like on the TV, but um, you know, overall, as a, as a game of football. That was a classic. It was an absolute classic. It was a really good game, and uh, I'm not disappointed at all. So, Stu, your view, mate, from sitting watching it last night? Well, it's got to go through it slowly, weren't you? The, there was five excellent goals. I thought every goal was was brilliant. And I think the, the difference from us either winning or drawing and end up with a defeat was, to me, was the, the strength of the benches, the respective benches. They could bring on... I don't buy the fact that they could bring De Bruyne on and we could only bring Hall on and, and stuff like that. It's, it's not fair to sing a bloke because if De Bruyne was fit, he would have started. And the, that would have had a different impact on the game altogether. So we know that we're hopefully coming out of uh, an injury crisis. There's not a other phrase for it. There's two weeks where they can, the ones who need rest, which is practically the 11 that played last night, uh, they can recharge the batteries, they'll get back on the training ground. And I think if you look at the Sunderland game and the game last night, you could see the difference. The energy levels were higher. They were they seemed to be more coherent, the players. They seemed to be better drilled. And yes, ideally, we'd like to play Man City off the park, but not many teams will do that in the last five years or the next five years, will they? So when you, if, you go th if you go through the, the game bit by bit, uh, I was I was more frustrated because I, I actually uh, I've moved house as you know and I've got a much stronger Wi-Fi so I could watch it on the TNT, but I, I still prefer watching Arabic because it's about a minute quicker. But this time I watched it on TNT and because uh, McCoist was doing the commentary, and and I like listening to Ali McCoist not because he's Scottish because he seems to be fair, but they're all waxing lyrical about Man City constantly, and then when the injury came to the keeper. Uh, to Edison's injury, it was all oh, because the linesman didn't put his flag up. It's true, but then from then on, they overcompensated and they can get away with the little niggles. But the, that first goal from Man Manchester City, what a finish! You know, it, I don't think it was talked about enough. It was a great finish, but then so was Isaac's. His was clinical, Gordon's was class. Then De Bruyne, what can you say? He just passed the ball at the net, didn't he? Um, and then the guy who scored the last goal, he sounds like a character from Star Wars, doesn't he? Oscar Bob. Does <laughs> <laughs> he expect to have like R2-D2 next to him or something like that? And you, and you start thinking. But I had Trippier down for the second week in a row as we man the match. I thought him, Shaw, was throwing himself at everything. And he was composed with the ball when he had to be. And and I thought, obviously, Dubravka would have shot most because he, he made the saves. Those were my three, which is telling because they're all defenders in the defensive role. But Trippier let himself down by allowing him to get turned by the quality of the pass. 
because uh, I honestly thought he'd had a good game up until then. Uh, and it seems to be that he's got the bit back between his teeth and he's got his mojo again. But for me, the biggest sign from last night was way, the, the way that Pep Guardiola and his bench celebrated the victory. It was very reminiscent of what how Jurgen Klopp and his team did in August this season. This season. And it just shows if anyone's looking for like how uh, a marker of how far we've come, then that's it. When you have the two best teams in the land celebrating because they you know all managers will say right we expect to win that one we'll hope to get a draw there etc we wouldn't have been down for an easy three points for either of those two teams and they've could both of them come away with three points and they're both celebrating like they've won the FA Cup and and that shows how far we've come in, in such a short space of time so I think we're going to give credit to every single one of them on the pitch some played better than others but everyone who was on the pitch was well, they, they, they just give everything, and that is what we ask for. I know that's that should be the minimum requirement, but in today's football, it's not often you see every single player taken. And we knew that um, the young lad Miley was carrying a bit of a bruised foot, yet he still played the majority of the game as well. And you've got to see a fair play, all of them. They're, they're all firmly behind the manager, and we as supporters should be as well. Because I was speaking to Dougie Morris earlier today. And, I, and, I, and he, I said to him, look, we've played Manchester City twice. We've played Liverpool twice. So theoretically, we've got a more favourable run than most teams. And give it two weeks, we'll hopefully get two players back. Give it a month, we should have four or five players back. And they will make a difference, even if it's not just rotation. It's the last 30, 20, 10 minutes where they can come on. Someone like Harvey Bonds can come on and explode. Even Murphy, he can be rotated with uh, Miggy. There's so much to look forward to and and I think we'll finish the season really strong with a big rattle. And if we can get past Fulham, don't expect don't don't be surprised to see us not uh, to, not to see us with FA Cup because I think we can this year. I think that'll be our primary focus now. Full team against Fulham and then go on and win the cup. Well, I hope you're right. A lot of people asking about uh, Hayden. I did cover this on uh, Eddie Howe's press conference review, but he, he did say that he would be looking to, to loan him out again. So um, the answer is to, you know, people saying, do you think he'll be used as a, a central defensive midfielder or do you think he'll be playing in some way? Um, no, definitely not. Uh, Eddie Howe said not at the press conference. So uh, I can't see Hayden making any kind of return at all uh, to the playing squad. Mitch, thoughts on yesterday's game? Frustration. Um, I think that's what permeates through everything at the minute. Um, there's lots of really frustrating contradictions. You, you, you can't look at that performance last night and not say, hey, we'll give it a damn good go. We deserved something out of that. That's a great performance. But where was that performance against Nottingham Forest? Where was that performance against yeah. Luton? And, and I get the people who ask that question because I was asking that myself at one point last night. Christ, if we just placed in half of what we showed last night, the Luton and Forest games would have been totally different. And also then the reaction on social media would have been different. The social media reaction is very much like a taxi driver's accelerator here in Dubai. It's either all on or it's all off. And there's just nothing in between that binary reaction everything on social media you know you, you you can say two things that are not connected and both be true at the same time 
Um, you're allowed to say, hey, we had a really good game there last night and we played like shite against Nottingham Forest. And that doesn't mean I'm Eddie in or Eddie out. It's just fact. And that's the frustration. I think two, if you take the Forest and Luton games and turn them into wins, mm. I think there'd be a lot less grumbling. What we're learning is to be at the top and stay at the top um, is fine margins. The very, very good clubs have a way to make these margins work in their favour. Be that because you've got three hundred million pounds worth of players sitting on your bench, when we've got three teenagers. Be that because your mindset is such as that you're used to playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek in three competitions, four competitions, relentlessly, and you got tuned into that. We can still also say we've been unlucky with injuries, because we have. That's realistic. And also suggest that has Eddie used the people on the bench at his best disposal to help the team at certain times? I'm not sure. I'm still not sure about some of these tactical substitutions. I'm still not sure about um, the amount of late goals we seem to concede at the minute. And that takes us back to another fine margin. These are the differences that separate really good teams from okay teams. And we're at that, still at that transitional stage. The club dampening FFP, if you then add Eddie's comments about um, teams not being helpful, I would suggest that that pours water on Phillips for me. Because why, why mention that that way before a game against Man City when we're being linked left, right and centre with Phillips? I think if Phillips was in, he would be in by now. And I don't think that's that my feeling is that's another ship that sailed. But that brings more frustration because you're wondering, well, what's the planning for the window? What's Ashworth been doing? What's what's the dynamic between Ashworth and Ashworth and uh, and Eddie Howe like? Have we got problems there that they can't agree on certain things and so certain deals are passing with by? Um is Ashworth in the mindset that he wants to go to Man U? Um, amusingly, Man U still chanting for the Glazers out. It's been a long time before that happens, lads. So I would sit tight with that one. Uh, just keep your keep your red, uh, yellow and green scarves on standby because you'll need them again at some stage. Ratcliffe's not your solution. Um, he just strengthens their hold and gives them a shield, somebody to hide behind and say, well, we've passed the funding of the football club over to this guy now. It's not us. We've just put our money in and taken your money out, of course. But um, I think this is where we're at. And, and, and I can understand why people are getting frustrated. On social media, it seems to fire off in an idiot way. So you get people saying things on immediately post-match or on the Sunday, and by Wednesday, they've calmed down a bit and they're saying more sensible things. Um, and then it's rinse and repeat at the minute. And again, that's more frustrating because my results haven't been great. And so I think there's a lot of energy being expended in our own way again. We've got the guns out, but we don't know where we're pointing them collectively. And so people are being shot in the foot sometimes. It's... it's and I, and I get some of it. I get. I, I'm frustrated. One of my first thoughts last night was, "Bloody hell, where was the, that performance on Boxing Day?" <laughs> um, because we're, we're eating Forest alive. 
you know, it 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 really is quite um, quite frustrating to to think of it in that respect. But I still don't think we're actually as far as we from where we should be as it might feel because of that level of frustration. I think we're a lot closer than we realise. Mm, yeah. Okay. Good point. Uh, get your questions in. Uh, a few of them coming in already. I had uh, had a couple sent in, um, which I'm going to uh, read out now from. Bear with us. Okay. The first one was from Paul Palpatine on Twitter. He says, "Steve, I've got a question for yourself, Mitch and Stu." Did the club vote in favour of the current financial fair play rules? He says, if so, what was the reason behind it? I wonder if you could ask them, uh, you know, would put my mind at rest. So, Paul, it's an interesting one. I don't know the answer, so and I don't know whether the lads do. Did Newcastle United vote in favour of the current FFP rules? Is there a way we can find out? Something that Steve Hasty would normally... Uh, I reckon Hasty would one off the top of his head, yes. Um, yeah. I'm right. Racking me brains. Um, Were we in the Premier League when it got voted in? Uh, the, the the current new revisions, I think we were. Yeah, but we voted against those. It was just the Man City, wasn't it? And everyone else yeah. voted. So there you go. There's your answer. Then I would suggest. We Man City said no, and everyone else said yes. Okay, there we go then. That, that would be the answer to it. I hope that helps you, Paul. Uh, David Cook messaged us this morning saying, Hi, Steve. Possible topic for the professionals. Newcastle United's annual results and Darren Eels' statement. Now, me and Mitch and Steve and George discussed it on Friday, Stu, but you haven't had your um, full penneth about this. What was your take on Darren Eels and um, the financial results from uh, the accounts? This morning, 40 penneth rather than four penneth things. Uh, as you both know, I, I, I did a, what I thought was a huge thread on Twitter and it was that long, it wouldn't uh, post. Uh, so, I mean, I can find up the phone and try and read it out, but the top moment of it is Darren Neal's, uh, his his little speech. And for me, it's it's like Oliver with getting his tin out and and I'm sick of this pleading poverty. We're not poor at all. Those accounts that they released showed a huge upsurge in our incomings. It didn't show Seller. It didn't show Adidas. It didn't show the Champions League money. And the fact that we're spending money, it's all amortised. Uh, so the even the, if you say it was 55 million or thereabouts for Tenali, that's 11 million a year. And it's like, sometimes I, when I'm listening to him, I'm thinking, don't try and kid a kid, I mean you know, the, yes, we can't spend as much as we want, but in a way, that's been good for us because had we went all gung ho, we wouldn't have had the the squad's harmony that we've got. We wouldn't have had the the organic growth that we've got, uh, and now it's ripe. I honestly think that we'll have a huge summer, and it'll just be a case to sell one or two players that aren't going to be in the start eleven that can still get wages. I think we touched on it during the week. Uh, sorry, still get a good uh, transfer fee. Um, for me, you could have a, a, a Wilson, and as much as I think he's a fantastic uh, finisher, if he's not going to get five or six games in a row cons uh, consistently, then he's no good to man the beast. And I think I mentioned last week that maybe he's better off in Saudi, and I think we know some people there who would be happy to pay for him and, and pay the going rate. 
Um, he scored more goals than Mitrovic, and they paid 50-odd for him, didn't they? So there's, there's so much that can be done with it. And I, I don't like this. We've got no money lock because we have got the money. And we, it's for me, it's, it just gives a green light to other clubs saying, well, come and buy our players, we need some money. And what we should be doing is is building round. There's there's four, I would say, four blue chip players. That maybe it's even five if you include Joe Lydon. Then you've got Gordon, Isaac, Bruno, and Botman. These should be regarded as the as the untouchables. That's our future. Uh, and anyone else, okay, give us a decent fee, and we'll see what happens with it. We can work our way around it. But all this hype and excitement. Oh, Bruno's going to get sold. Bruno. Bruno's made it clear on I don't know how many times he has to say it how happy he is in the in the region. So I it wouldn't be his decision to, to leave. Uh, and I don't think the the board would have the the no, I wouldn't say gumption, the bottle to sell him. Because the way things are, the, the knee-jerk reactions are getting more and more often now. Uh, and I think what needs to be changed is the the ruling, the amounts in financial fair play, because they are 10 to 12 years old and the game's moved on, there's more money in the game. And uh, But then they've got, well, if they do that now, does that mean Everton get their 10 points back? You know, there's so much, it's sport, but it's not now, it's not even sport and politics, it's sport, politics and law. And everyone's scared to say the right, they say the right thing, but because it'll be get called the wrong thing, everyone's scared to say or do what they, they know they should be doing because they'll get challenged. Um, but regarding the Darren Eels, which was the original question, I understand and I think I was grateful that he came out and, and spoke to the press and so at least we had communication because that's something we haven't had for a while. And that's something that we were promised, transparency and communication when when uh, the new regime first came in. And it, it's very easy to be all singing and dancing when we're at a cup final. It's all well and be when we're qualifying for the Champions League. It's all well good smiling for a documentary. But when our backs are against the ball, this is when leaders roll up the sleeve and show that they are leaders. And, and at least he's, he's came, on, came out last week and said what he said. Whether I agree with it or not, I think it's quite clear I don't agree with a lot of it. But what I, what I do agree with is that he, he, he said Eddie Howe's not going anywhere, but then he said, I hope Dan Ashworth isn't going. That hardly nipped things in the bud, did it? Um, and there's two camps, three camps. One, Ashworth should definitely stay. He's going to build the club up, root and branch. Two, let him go. Greedy, money-grabbing person. Uh, and three, is he really doing as much as he should be doing? And he can't go to Man United anyway because his pal's not there yet. So is he giving himself 100% commitment to this job? And if so, where's these players? Because we should have been having players over the line. And I think it's it's just all fits into the narrative that we don't have money to spend. And it's like, let's say, rattling the jaw like all of us, you know, we've got nothing, give us something, help us out. No one wants to help us because they know if they give us a leg up, we'll just start trampling all over everyone. And if anyone, any other team can slow us down, they'll do as much as they can to slow us down. And so would we if it was the other way around. So we shouldn't be too bothered about that sort of stuff. I think this summer we will spend a quarter of a billion pound minimum on players. Because I've sat and done the calculations. And that's without 
an Adidas arena, a training camp, uh, and all this crap with the tickets, all the so-and-sos get the ticket when they shouldn't. Uh, that person's not even a season ticket holder, how they're there. I think the club are allowing all this to happen and then say, look, we're trying to please everyone we can't and we need a bigger stadium. And I, as, as, as long as I'm breathing, I, I genuinely believe that the, the Saudis want that big, big, new, bright, shiny stadium. Uh, and, and, and it's coming. One way or another, it's coming. If they can't get the, the lowest pass to build on the East Stand, then they'll, they'll go and get a new stadium. And I'd, I'd be surprised if, if, if it's not announced within the next 12 months. Uh, as long as we're still doing well in the league, and we are doing well, we're mid-table after a hugely shocking um, injury crisis, and it, we're going to get better as the season goes. As I said earlier, we'll finish with a rattle. If you wanted to talk about the fans' advisory board, Steve, you better advertise this as a three-hour show because <laughs> yeah, we'll go, go, go. Listen, we'll, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go on to that after after we've heard Mitch's right. views. I just want to. Um, because we can talk about that. We haven't really talked about that a great deal. I uh, just want to come to a couple of comments. Paul, uh, good evening. He says, I love our club. Love that display at the weekend, despite the result. Dismayed by social media, commercial groups, masquerading as fan voices. Uh, we've got this. How are the lads? He says. Um, and Sabutio Paul. Paul, who makes the Sabutio teams. I uh, hope you're well, mate. Um, he has sent me a message. He says, a question for the lads on the professionals. Uh, I still think comments from Eddie and Eels were tinged with a little brinkmanship. With it being obvious we need something this window, do you think there is a deal? Uh, is there to be done? And and will it be then over to you, Mr. Silverstone, earn your wage, Mitch? Could be one way of looking at it. Um, there's de definitely a <clears throat> collective pumping of the brakes, but whether that's for public show just to calm the fans down or with a bit of brinksmanship knowing the stuff on the table that needs to be nudged to, to, to complete my personal feeling is that i think they're looking at this this window is not wanting to waste any money during this window to concentrate on the summer that's my personal feeling i think the most will say is a couple of loans um but it's then who do we get in who's ready to go who would slot into what we've got, who compliments the players we've then got coming back. Um, it's not as straightforward as just being like a championship manager and plugging and playing a player straight in. It just doesn't work quite like that. Um, but at the same time, you then have to question about what, why do certain decisions have been made and what kind of planning was made for this window, knowing coming into this window the kind of injuries we were carrying. You know what, Mitch? It looks like with Darren Hughes, it was like, Look how squeaky clean our, we are. There's our books. We're well within the parameters. We're doing this build. And it's as if they, they lead to a challenge. You know, it's, it's like, well, we, we're not even close. Didn't, didn't he use the word clean accounts at some stage? Yeah. Which I think very, that's, a, that's a very pointed phrase. And not it was like he was challenging them, coming forensically. Yeah. Like, inspect these if you want. These are Look, as clean as you'll get. Absolutely no doubt. That the Premier League would love to have us in the same position they had Everton in. And, and sorry for the, the language I'm about to use, but I honestly think Payer will eventually just say, you know what it is, fuck it. We'll go and spend the money we want to spend and then we'll do what Man City did. We'll create we'll create the, the sponsorship. They can't the Premier League cannot say 
what sort of effect a sponsorship could have on in the Middle East because the Premier League's not based in the Middle East. But, uh, but I think what they've allowed Chelsea to get away with with some of their sponsorships this season is uh, is rather shocking. After the, the song and dance they made about Seller, and then you look at you know they've allowed one sponsor who doesn't even have a turnover equivalent to what they're allegedly paying for the, sh- the shirt sponsorship at Chelsea is less than the annual turnover. How the hell does that work? You know, and yet that seems to have been okay. That's fine. And they've got an association with one of the trust funds that clearly they've got um, power over. You know, it it, it 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 stinks. Again, if leaning, leaning towards the, the so-called big six and giving them special treatment. Yeah, definitely Agreed. does. Okay, uh, just trying to load a couple of uh, things onto the uh, the system while the lads were talking there, because um, I did have a an interesting um, an interesting message sent over uh, to us this week, and it was from a, 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 a well, it was a message that somebody got from uh, the club, an email they got from the club. Um, we'll come to the fan advisory board. Don't worry, Stu. Good morning. I hope you were well and looking forward to Saturday's match. As you'll be aware, the club have been monitoring reports of persistence standing in the area that you hold a season ticket for on a match day. Following extensive CCTV monitoring, we've identified a number of individuals that are persistently standing throughout games without just cause that we can identify. Not all season ticket holders in the block are receiving this email, so if you are receiving this email, you've been identified via CCTV as one of these supporters. Whilst we want to encourage an enjoyable atmosphere in the ground and welcome the enthusiastic spectators showing their support for the team during the game, we've got an obligation to ensure that this is as safe as possible. Your current seats are not part of the licensed standing area. So, to persistently stand is contrary to our ground regulations and can result in a ban from the stadium. Furthermore, as you know, behind your seating block are spaces for wheelchair users and so spectators standing in your block consequently obstruct the view of the pitch. We are writing to you individually today to formally notify you that match bans will be the next course of action should we not see an improvement in the area. Match control will continue to monitor the area on CCTV, but please aware that should improvements not be seen, individuals identified during upcoming matches and persistently standing with no just cause will be removed from the stadium. We are writing to you... Um, oh, hold on. Match control will continue to... Monitor. Uh, match control will continue to monitor the area on CCTV, but please be aware that should improvements not be seen, individuals identified during upcoming matches as persistently standing will uh, not just cause with no just cause will be removed from the stadium and may have further sanctions imposed upon them. Any issues, feel free to contact us. Many thanks. Safety and safety, uh, safety and security, safety and security complaints. Um, and doesn't have a name on it, no name, but it's got the number. Newcastle United's address and the email. Thoughts on that, Stu? We want your tickets. That's what the thought is. Be naughty, step out of line so we can take your ticket off you and sell it to corporate. Um, you might as well start a new chat. I said it to you in the WhatsApp, didn't I? Yeah. It's a tune if you love the tune because yeah, you get the one of the board members, uh, me and dad, questioning the atmosphere. And then when people are trying to generate atmosphere, they get told they're going to lose the tickets for standing up and singing. Well, unless you're Val Dunican, like not many people can stand, sit down and sing. So what do they want? Do they want the atmosphere that we're famous for or do they just want to keep driving it towards the middle classes? 
Because I tell you what, if this team does slip and it does become not enjoyable to go to the match like the theatre as it is, then guess what happens? They'll be the first ones out the door. And then they'll be come back, oh, we need to... And that's when they'll start doing the, not roadshows, but more meetings with proper fans. Uh, and and I will say proper fans, not, not people who have uh, decided that they can spend... 500 quid to go at the match and that doesn't make them better it just makes them a more valuable asset to the to the board it doesn't make them a better supporter there's people who have never beaten the match that live in your castle that will bleed black and white and for whatever fiscal reason they're not able to go to the game they might have works or whatever so it's not i don't want to get down this super fan route and someone's better than someone else but to tell someone that they're not allowed to stand up and it's a threat it's a blatant direct threat saying you will lose your season ticket, just like it is with the 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 points, the loyalty points for away games. And it, it's becoming too much. And for all the good work that's been done, slowly but surely, if we were sitting in the top two or three, little things like this get overlooked. But now we're not. Everything like this goes under the microscope. And they need to be a bit more savvy with uh, how they're approaching the fans because without us, they're nothing. And they'll realise that hopefully they'll never get to realise that, but they should know this already. And we've had all the sound bites from Amanda and Amir Dad, how how great how great we are and how wonderful we are. And even the, the chairman himself, Mr. Yasser Al Ramayan, he he commented it was the passion that that caught him. And you could see that in his eyes in the first game against Tottenham when he when he arrived. You could see he got the bug. You shouldn't be telling people not to help generate an atmosphere. And I'm sorry, Steve, but when we were all at Wembley, we stood up for the full 90 plus minutes. You know, there was not many people sitting down. Uh, the section I was in, everyone stood up for the full 90 minutes. Uh, and this is this is where the, they have to decide what they want. Do they, do they want, this is how I believe with the, the bigger stadium. If they, want the, if they want it more corporate, and I understand they need to generate more money, but the, those people won't come singing and chanting and and uh, and folly in the cold, the wet and everything else, and and the the blowing the, when it's blowing a hoolie and stuff. No, they'll be sitting there like glass box. You can't hear them from there. Just like me singing, watching me tell you here on Borean, they can't hear us. So the ones in the ground, please, please don't try and restrict them giving vocal support to the team because that team at the moment needs as much support as it can get. And and so it, I think it's. It's an oversight, it's, it's petty, it's ridiculous, it's people being jobs with, it's Ashley Aitis. Call it what you want. Some people haven't moved on, some people think they're really important now because they work for Newcastle United and Amanda smiled at them once when they, when she worked, went past. You know, it, it's it's too much. They, they need to just try and understand the, the fans more and I'm trying to desperately keep away from the fans advisory board because I know we'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah, so that's, that's they need these people to guide them, and these people can't guide them. Bill gives the flip side, Mitch. Really bloody annoys me when people stand up in front of me. I'm not tall, so I can't see over tall guys in front of me. I'm there to watch the football, not the back of someone's head. And and has been a um, constant discussion point in the age of all Stadia. We were talking about persistent standing as part of fans' forums when I was there with Hasty years ago so in some respects nothing changed and there's always multiple layers to that there's points like that there's points about if you are in front of a disabled section 
you should try and have some awareness that yeah um there's it's not a section full of lazaruses they kind of just magically stand up to suit um but you, the club this season seemed very very good at sending effectively anonymous emails and making anonymous decisions based on an unknown set of criteria what do they define as persistent standing what do they define is how does that drag other people in if you have got somebody who stands for 90 minutes in front of you um and you've already tried the mate can you sit your ass back down thing and then you end up standing because they're standing and i can think of times when that's happened um how does that reflect how can they tell that from cctv only um you know that we don't know who's making these decisions and based on what criteria um and 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 again as they've done with many other things a nice little anonymous email so nobody can take uh any personal blame for that or criticism from the fans um you know, sign it off the box office. Ooh, it's like the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? Who's behind the curtain? Watching the CCTV. We don't know. Um, and communication's great. Well, is there a way to feed back, that back and have a discussion? This is all one way. Like, who decides whether you should have your loyalty points taken off you because you've given your son your ticket because you couldn't go you know all these things and Stu quite rightly makes the cynical point well they want as many tickets off of people as possible so they're moving through the corporate and on mass um it's wonderfully cynical Stu but you may have a point yeah and so it's very very um typical of one side of the club at the minute that wants to almost gentrify what's happening in the stands um and it it, it adds to that feeling of um I, I think there's a large section of the fan base feeling a little bit disenfranchised at the moment Mitch, it's a working class game. It always has been. And I know they're trying to move it to middle class with the prices and stuff like that. And I know we've mentioned on other shows where it can affect people's homes lives because of the cost of living and that they'll still put go to the match first. But you have to remember initially, back in your dad's day, when he was going to the game, the generation after that, our generation, when we were going to the game, the people who are going now, the, the vast majority in that crowd are going there. It's a release from their everyday existence. It's something to look forward to. It's a collective a collectiveness. It's yeah, like we are united. It's We are the Toon Army and stuff like that. We want to go there together. And it becomes like, it's like an escapism, I suppose. But then you've got people like pointing or grassing people up. Oh, look, he's standing or he swore or he said that. I don't honestly I think it's it's more society. Uh whether we go down it's it's too woke or not, 
and maybe that's a conversation for another show, but it's ridiculous. Seriously, you've got to let people, yeah, if someone's shouting and swearing too much, be aware of your surroundings. So I think the vast majority of supporters in the, in the grounds, they will sit and, and they will try and be respectful to those, especially behind them. But I'm sorry, everyone gets off the, off the backside when the, when the team surges forward. It's nature, it's human nature to do it. And, and, and as, you know, I'll say Almiron because I don't want you to start singing. But if Almiron's running down the wing and it looks like he's going to cross the ball with his right foot, everyone gets on their feet. It's, yeah, it happens. It's natural, isn't it? it? You don't plan to stand, you do. And what you meant to do is just so you sit down so the person behind can see, but the person in front, everyone stands up. And it's it's like a cascading effect in reverse where everyone stands up because their anticipation of a goal and that moment of euphoria where everyone cheers, you can shout louder when you're standing on your feet than you can sitting down. Uh, and I'm sitting down now, so it's a good job not standing because I'll be going right for it. I think so, it's just uh, some people in certain areas just stand all the way through the game. Mind, I've um, got to be honest, I, I haven't seen that a great deal. I haven't seen that a great deal. So, you know. But Steve has been like that for 20, 30 years. Well, it's, it's, it's since there, as Mitch said, since all the stadiums come in. But it is, if the vast majority of Newcastle United fans are respectful to other Newcastle United fans and of the surroundings, You'll get a few there that have had too many, and oh, I don't care, and I'm saying that politely. I don't care what you think, you sit down and you know that happens occasionally, and they are very few and far between. But we have to be in a there seems to be no understanding, it's all like a dictatorship. You do this, and we're gonna do that off you. There's no communication, there's no sorry, there is communication, we're gonna take your season ticket off you. If Mr. Wraith was a very naughty boy, he stood up when Isaac was one on one with the goalkeeper. See, I mean, there'd be no one left in the ground. Yeah. But if you're constantly standing up, then that's fine. Invite the person, you know, let them challenge it and say, right, look, this is the last game. These are the times that you were standing up. And if you're blatantly standing up and you're the only one standing up in your section, they've got a right to warn you. You know, like at least give you a three strikes sort of thing. But to send someone an email, like it's faceless, isn't it? It's cowardly. Like we're going to take you taken off here if you get caught standing. We've been watching you on CCTV. It's too big, brother, for me. Let people enjoy themselves. But if, if someone is doing it, then we'll all be police for ourselves anyway. You know, it's how it makes it, and that's it. It's like we're not trusted. We're just whether we're just the stupid people who are trusted. We're not clever enough uh, to to buy tickets for five hundred pound a time. Well, I'll tell you something. I am rich enough to buy tickets for five hundred pound a time, but I wouldn't want to. I'd rather be sitting with you and, and going there. Uh, and I'd rather stand at the games. We stood in Dortmund, which didn't we? Fantastic. Uh, and that's that's the way I like it. Even when I'm in the bar watching the game, do I sit down and watch it, Mitch? No, neither would it, really. Stand <laughs> the full game. So that that's just me. And I, I'm trying not to speak above everyone else because the, the ones that are going to the match, to me, are the ones that should be looked after the most. The ones inside those 50,000 inside St. James's, 50,000 home fans inside St. James's, every home game, they're the ones that should be listened to. They're, that's who they should be sending ballots to. That's who they should be sending emails to and asking for feedback. Because these are the ones that will decide if this club is going to be successful on the, on the pitch with, our, with the vocal support. But if people are scared to, to have the tickets taken off them, then the, the atmosphere is going to get worse. And then we, then what happens? We get wrong off me that again. Uh, because it was a bit quiet. Make the mind up. Make the mind up. 
Could be like red light, green light, Mitch, on uh, Squid Game, where they assassinate anybody that moves. Yeah. <laughs> that would solve the problem. You get rid of you'd, you'd be able to get more people in, replace them. Or a green light when you can stand. <laughs> when, when we're going forward, once you get the, the last like, 35 yards, the green light will come on. You can, you're allowed to stand up then. Yeah. By the way, for those of you watching, that was a tongue-in-cheek suggestion. It was based on a fictional TV <laughs> programme called Squid Game. Of course, I wasn't suggesting that the club will do that or that they should do that. Anyway, Mitch, yeah, that email. Just to comfort yeah, all buyers, I'm not a millionaire, by the way. I just said I could afford a 500-pound ticket. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I have a little chalk to myself. The, the dentist in Dubai talking about the gentrification of the game, you know. And people feel <laughs> this chance to franchise. But, Excuse uh, me a second. I'm going to have to put my AC on because it's too hot here. Aye, you are, mate. No worries, mate. No worries. Well, aye, it's, um, it, it's, like Sue says, it's faceless. And I think that's the biggest problem I have with it. Is the, there's people inside the club want to do certain things um, and nobody is prepared to put their name on the bottom of the email. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's 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 poor. That's absolutely poor. It reflects badly on the club. And as, as the Stu rightly says, it comes across like big brother. And that's not how you want to feel like you're being policed at the game by. Um, for a lot of people, even when the results are shite, it's still the highlight of that week. Um, and yes, you all see the stage, yeah, we've been in place for long enough now Everybody knows the vast majority of people respect that and respect it very well. With the occasional time that people jump up when they get excited, you know, I think that that should be taken as read, but without a clear example being given in the, that kind of email of what is unnecessary standing. Um, yeah, is is it a set amount of time? It, 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 it's, you know, it's it's. Very, very, very relative, and you know the, the the what's the parameters? What what are they going off? And I think a letter like that, once again, puts the club where they leave themselves wide open for somebody with a time, money, or inclination, or all of the above. A legal challenge would probably just drive a train through it. And so, and is this really what we want coming from our football club to the fans? I don't think so, really. I think there's way more important things we should be discussing. Um, a, a gentle reminder by email is uh, would have would have come across better. Send it everybody in the block, and you don't even have to. Um, the the easy way out with that one is to say this is just a reminder to everybody in the block. If you're persistently standing, you you may be affecting the view, the view of the disabled supporters behind you, and then people, you're telling everybody in that area. But then the next question is, how many of those are season tickets and how many of those are not season tickets? And what if the most persistent standards are the people coming in on separate tickets game-by-game -game basis? And, and then how do they work that one out? I mean, yes, they say they've had CCTV so they can tell you who's been standing where and when, but ah, I don't know. I think the club have got more important things to deal with than that. It's, it's proper micromanagement is the yeah. word that just flashed across the screen. 
and and micro management always gets up people's beaks. Yep, I agree. Uh, lots of people saying other. Well, uh, is the is the email real? Yes, it is real. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know the people who sent that out, and you know they've they've shown me the actual email itself. So yes, is the answer to that. And look, it's. Just the club that we've got now. Anyway, we are going to have an ad break uh, to give the lads a chance to uh, top up their glasses. Uh, so uh, tune in and see if there's anything that takes your fancy. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks again to Mr. Vicky Sources. Handmade in Cumbria. If you'd like to order some, then give them a call on 01768 210102. Go to their website, mrvickies.co.uk, or drop them an email, info at mrvickies.co.uk. A big thanks to United Group Travel. They're a family firm based in Morpeth with pickups throughout the Northeast. No strangers on our tours, just people you haven't met yet. They've got a presence on Facebook. And a website, unitedgrouptravel.com. If you want to make a booking, give them a call on 01670 632 460 or mobiles 0791 666 4174 0795 71 41654. Thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals, Independent Funeral Directors. Let us look after you in your time of need. They're based on Old Durham Road in Gateshead, and you can contact them at their website, darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Email darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk or give them a call, 0191 478 2730. A big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the technical side of things. And a big thanks to New Workwear. You can find them at newworkwear.com. If you want to help the channel, hit the thumb up to subscribe, hit the subscribe button and share to your other social media. You can also pay a one-off fee of £25 to get a scarf, a cup, a pen and a membership card. Go to the website nufcmatters.com and click membership or put your smartphone over this QR code. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make some donations virtually, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. We're also a podcast on Spotify, iTunes and other podcast providers. Just search NUFC Matters. I'm also a part of the Northeast Footy Brecky Show. You can listen to that Monday to Friday, 7 or 9 at thetooneuk.com. We've also got an event coming up next year. It's in January the 19th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. It's an evening with Nobby Solano. Tickets are available on Woucher for £20. Okay, that event, of course, is on Friday. Uh, we're going to have another members draw tonight. So uh, this is for two tickets for Nobby Solano on Friday at the Irish Centre. Uh, so here we go. And the winner is great to have the drum roll. Number 82, T Malone. You are the winner of two tickets for Nobby Solano. 
so obviously if you have paid your 25 pound one-off fee uh, to become a member of nufc matters uh, you've got a chance of winning two tickets tomorrow night as well so uh well done the team alone you are the winner john will notify you see you there at seven o'clock uh okay um we uh have remembered to do my first tune game My first tune game, uh, where we ask you to send in uh, your first match that you went to. And this one was sent in midweek when we we're doing the Supermax show by Tony Byrne. He says, belated happy birthday to Supermax. He says, my first game was Malcolm McDonald's debut. He says, my mum took me, only little, but I looked up to her. She was a Susie Quattro type, long leather coat and hard as nails. My dad was lovely, but mum wore the trousers. Now no longer here, sadly, but she sent me on the black and white path. Tony, great recollection. That's exactly what we're looking for uh, with my first tune game. If you've got a story and you've got a recollection, I can play some music, which is quickly becoming as annoying as the day I met. Yes, I know. I need to change the adverts. I just haven't had time. I will get it done this week, I promise. Blue Rhythm Boys asked this question a few times and I had got it saved. Uh, he says, uh, thoughts on Gordon's post-match interview saying that Howe's instructions were to go for a third and that the players couldn't deliver. Why aren't they playing like they were when the manager's instructions are to do so? So, I didn't see this interview, so I don't know in what context it was. But if he said the instructions were go to go for a third and the players couldn't deliver, maybe that's just you know credit to Man City. They, they you know they change their tactics. You know what I mean? They they find ways of breaking teams down. But I'm not sure it was as simple as that. I think it was as simple as Kevin De Bruyne came on changed the game. What what's your thoughts on that, Stu? Well, it's hardly revolutionary for a manager to say go and score a goal, but uh, I don't think there was any disobedience by not trying to carry his orders out. You've just got to look at who, who you're up against. And as you've just said there, Steve, that Guardiola would have tweaked his tactics because the one that the, the press love, best right back in the world, and that he got handed his arse twice by Isaac and by Gordon for the goals. So I think what they tried to do was nullify us on the break. Uh, and once again, Phil Foden, had, he's, he's a fantastic player, by the way, but... He had one of his better games against us, uh, and then De Bruyne comes on and, and carries it on, <laughs> carries on from him, doesn't he? So well, we're up against two genuine world-class talents, and it's it's easy to say go and score a goal. We wanted to score a goal, and I don't think it wasn't for the lack of effort. Um, and it's, it's taking the chances we could have had three in the first half, four even in the first half, uh, but they could have had six. So you've just got to take it as it is. Uh, I think what's reading between the lines, I'm, I, my interpretation was Eddie Howe was saying, look, keep going. You know, 
keep doing what you're doing. Go and get that goal because that could take this thing out of them. If we get a two, if we go two up, that could take this thing out of them a bit, and then the crowd could carry them home. Well, as long as they're allowed to stand up for that part. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just show you this tweet that uh, this Man City fan put out. He says, "Best organised team City have played in a while. Exploited City's weaknesses first half and scored two great goals. The subs changed it." And uh, he said, but, but if you bring on one of the best midfielders in history, you get the edge. Well played today in Newcastle. And that was the uh, that was the overall gist of Manchester City's fan base, I felt, last night. You know, they saw a good team and they know a good team when they see one. But yeah, Mitch, Gordon's comments, I mean, they were just knackered, Bill Burnett says. I, I, I wouldn't disagree. They, they can get knackered, but I, I didn't think they looked as tired as, as maybe a few weeks ago. I've seen another... Uh part of that same interview where Gordon's saying he's looking forward to a rest. Um, and that's been blown out of all proportion as well. Oh, finally a player's admitting that they're tired. Well, no, he, he knows it's the the so-called midwinter break. We know we've effectively got a couple of weeks now. Um, he, he's speaking truth, not blowing things out of proportion. He's been what he's actually telling me in that interview is the manager was told to keep going and keep looking for the third and keep doing what you're doing, and they weren't able to deliver that and we weren't for one reason or another. Um, I don't think I think the, the point was made there, it wasn't because they didn't want to or they didn't couldn't or they didn't want to try. Um, I think you know, to lose in injury time. To a team that could have brought another God knows how many hundred million off the bench. And the difference was, like that Man City player, their fan said, one of the best midfielders in the world come onto the pitch and made the difference. And that was it. So I think, you know, there was a lot last night to come away with to feel um, be positive about but because of the whole back way I started the show on, because of everything that surrounds the club at the minute, frustration is the biggest killer for her at the minute. Because we can see how close we are to getting it right, yet it isn't going right. Um, and, and you know, and and that that for me is the thing that's got me more than anything else. Is that well, hang on, we could have done with that performance against Forest against Luton. And why wasn't it quite the same? What what, what we're doing right, get coming into this game that we didn't do so right and going into the other games? It's difficult to know. And obviously, if we had that answer, I'd be sitting in Eddie's seat and I'd be a billionaire probably. But, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't quite work like that. No, definitely doesn't. OK, uh, we're moving into the uh, last half hour of the show now. Um, let's talk uh, not Thunderbirds. Let's talk FAB, Fans Advisory Board, Stu. Um, it was announced. What do you want to say about it? Hey. Uh, first of all, the Fans Advisory Board should be there as a fair representation of the fans. Unless I'm wrong with that interpretation. Is that what it's meant to be? It's meant yeah. to represent the fan base, right? Yeah. Okay, so there was nine seats on the board which gives Correct. them about an 11% vote each if it went to a vote. 
Um, this might sound controversial, but out of the nine people that were chosen, were 22, is 22% of our fan base in the trust? No. Is 11% of our fan base disabled? No. Is 11% of our fan base united with pride? No. Or 11% of our fan base overseas? Probably, probably more. So if that's the criteria, and that's why you're choosing. For me, the, the one that was closest to home, and I, I know I'm biased, and I'll, I'll, I'll have to get my other phone, Steve, and I'll read out that's what was going to be the tweet, if you don't mind. But if you're going to choose people that represent you, at least choose someone that the fans can relate to. It's not really, really much of a simple ask, and it just appeared to me just to be a middle-class shoo-in where, and I know there's been fans looking at it. There was a there was a meal before the fans advisory board was going to be announced back in November, uh, with shall we say local media partners. Some of these are sitting in the same table with people representing support services. It seems to me like it was a closed shop, and the decisions were already made who was getting what. But it's just like mugging off your fans. You you volunteer. So if you don't mind, I'll get me on the phone. The reason I don't have it next to us is because I keep getting WhatsApps off him and Spenny and Mark Byers. That's really on good for listening to. So if you give us a second, I've just grabbed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just while you're doing that, can you explain yeah. what you mean by media partners? Because there will be some people out there who don't know what you mean. Um. Well sounds strange when I'm sitting on YouTube, but YouTubers, the ones that, there's, there's a photograph out there. Um, I'm sure I can find it. You could put it on if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. But it was a very select chosen few who are getting favoured by the club. And that's fine. You know, that's, that's fine to get favoured by the club if that's what the club want to do. But when it comes to a fans advisory board, then that should be representation of the fans. And for me, the only fair way to do it would have been to ask the fans to vote. These are there. There's the picture. If you look on your left, one, two, three, four, five up. There's a lady from New York, New York sitting there. There was someone who swung to her defence with a moustache. Roger DeCoursey, I think. No, John O'Hare, he's called. Uh, he swung at her defence saying she's a great acquisition. Why? Because she's a clever woman. Well, you have to be clever now to be a fan. It's and then there's certain people who represent other YouTube channels uh, who do their own bit, but that was to me that was and Sarah Medcalf sitting there. Um, I see Mitch had disappeared, he knows a lot of the names on there. That was the night before, well, it could be the, the night before, isn't it? Where it genuinely was the night before. The, the next day was when the club announced that was on the 23rd of November that photograph was taken. And that certain people had travelled from other parts of the world and were given complimentary tickets, and then they got tickets for the next game, etc. Uh, the next day, which was Friday the 24th of November, the Fans Advisory Board was announced and people were uh, encouraged to put their applications in. There's people sitting there next to people from Supporter Services who are on that board, and I'm sure they would have already been told they're on it. So 
I'm just going to find this because uh, I shared it with you uh, and I didn't want to go through it. So you'll have to bear, bear with us when I'm trying to read it all out because it was quite extensive, if you remember. Yeah. I mean, look, that that look, that look photo was on social media. It's been, you know, it's been bandied around. I've seen it a couple of times. So we, that's why we've used it. It's fair use to, to, to pick something like that up and use it. Um, again, I will give you my views um, on FAB. Um, it is... It is different to the fans' liaison committee that I was on, in the sex in the sense that it hasn't been it hasn't been a, an electoral process for for those people to be uh, selected. I think you know that way is is something that, for example, the supporters trust believe in. They have to abide by certain rules and regulations. Um, I'm surprised that there wasn't an objection to the way this has been set up. Um, I certainly would never have put myself forward for this because. I've been there once, bitten twice, shy, and all that. Um, I don't, I don't think for me um, it'll serve a great purpose. I think it's communication um, is is key, but I don't know whether we'll hear anything about this. I don't know whether we'll see the minutes. I think it'll be fairly a closed shop. I'm just a bit, I am a bit disappointed, and I and and I, I certainly wouldn't ask Mitch to comment on this today because Mitch, you know, Mitch put himself forward. It's unfair to ask Mitch to comment unless he wanted to. But I think, you know, I think, I think Mitch. All right. Well, I, 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 I genuinely, I genuinely, I genuinely, you know, think that you should have been on this. I think you put yourself forward. I think you should have been on it. Um, listen, there were, there were plenty of people from certainly the international perspective who were qualified to to, to to do it. You are one of them. Um, I'm just surprised that you didn't get the opportunity to do it. Um, disappointed really as well that you didn't get the opportunity to do it. Um, I don't think anybody else amongst the NUFC Matters crowd put themselves forward locally. I don't I know I, I didn't. Steve Hasty didn't. Um did did you put yourself forward, Stu? No, but I, I was also in a room when I seen um in Riyadh when I seen Amanda warmly once you seen Mitch and Steve Hasty wave at them and then go off the stage and come and give them genuine, genuine warm hugs for the help that those two guys and you through the takeover on regular basis doing Zoom calls, give them the fans' side of it. And for me, just to be discarded the way you were, uh, I think is disgraceful. But I've got this thing now, I'll read it out. So bear with us. Um, and this is just my thoughts before the channel gets slated and Steve Reith gets blamed for everything else. And as I said before I start, I'm a bit biased what I'm saying because Mitch is a very good pal of mine, but this is what I wrote. For what it's worth, and to those who are interested in my thoughts on the FAB and the furore that has followed it, here it is. To grow as a club, it is obvious that we will need new fans. I don't care if they come from Kuala Lumpur, Karachi, Kiev, Kansas or Kingston. If they have pride in the black and white stripes and want the best for Newcastle United. This potentially will have a positive knock-on effect for generations and create the type of global, global economic growth that is paramount to our sustained on-field success, which I presume is what we all want. What I do take exception to is being told it's really when someone is pissing on my back, i.e. Insulting, insulting my intelligence under the misconception that their intelligence is greater than mine. Therefore, I don't know anything. The announcement of the chosen few of NUFC's very first FAB smacks of this. Such a borders on the fan base being taken for granted to the point where our opinion doesn't matter and we will just fall in line. Smiling obediently whilst we whilst being told to accept this as, as progress and, is, and this is for the greater good. Well, I'm sorry, I disagree. 
And I want and I expected the fans advisory board to be solely consistent of those who, who, who see support in Newcastle United as a passion, an integral part of their lives. One who have uh, ones who have done the miles home and away and seen and see following our great club as an honour, not as a chore or as a passing fad. I shouldn't have to accept that someone who couldn't tell the difference between Kevin Keegan and Kevin's Scott, Dylan, Carr, Sheedy or Brock represent me and my concerns to the powers that be. It appears to me that the whole process was just a box ticking exercise to appease the EPL's regulations. Questions that I believe need answering for transparency, which were all promised on that historic day back in October 2021, is who conducted the interviews? Who were the panel of decision makers? Who made the recommendations and ultimately the final call? What for what thought process was used to select the chosen ones. This is where I admittedly become blatantly biased. Who in that position then thought it was more, more advantageous to have somebody who by their own admittance stumbled across our great club post takeover to represent the fans overseas rather than Dr. Neil Mitchell. Both fall in the overseas fans categories, but for me, that's where the comparison ends. One has been a lifelong supporter of Newcastle United was the interim chair for NUST in the beginning. After canvassing pubs and clubs from Berwick to Bishop Auckland to hear the voices and opinions of fans who always believed that their thoughts were irrelevant and, and then presenting this collated feedback to the club, that's who I want representing me. Someone of this ilk, not someone who is happy to be there, but someone who really cares, someone who will challenge the order and if and when required, someone who bleeds black and white, Someone who doesn't see the role as something for their CV or self-importance. Someone who generally wants this club to become the best version it can be. And someone who won't be afraid to ask the questions. Someone who won't roll over and allow his, his stomach to be tickled. Someone who won't be manipulated or, or, or abuse the position for their own personal gain or agenda. We as fans deserve the best. We've been promised the best. But we've, we've been given, and in a repeat, what seems to be a very cosy box ticking exercise with by the club, with some exceptions. Why no NUSC representation? Even the most ardent detractor of NUSC cannot deny the amazing work done by Daz Curry, Daz Curry et al. in arranging hugely successful and safe events up and down the Thames, Wembley, across Europe, 30 months ago in Riyadh, where our owners are based, they were there and in the US for tournaments last year and many more pre-season games for seasons gone by. That's the sort of person I want representing me. Not somebody who was introduced after the Steve Bruce era. Steve Bruce era. It seems far too political to me. And if anything makes this ordinary fan feel further distance with the suspicion that the whole process was contrived from the very beginning. Um, some of the newly elected members were socialising with NUFC staff services the night before the FAB was officially announced. Merely coincidence? I think not. It is clear to me that the club decided who they were choosing, but went through the process of inviting applicants. If this is the case, then it's appalling and it needs explaining. 48 hours after I, so I wrote this on Monday, 48 hours after I emphatic trounced off a nearest and dearest down the road, this should have been a serenely peaceful and smug week. Um, where am I? Uh, not a shitstorm of, of epic and unnecessary proportions. If you're still reading this, then God bless you and thank you for allowing me to vent my spleen. That's what I wrote last Monday. But I couldn't well get done. all of it.
Well said. Michael says, uh, to be fair, Stu and Mitch, who I know personally, isn't this the way we know Saudi works? Phil less staff for yes men who are not afraid to ask the questions. Got to be honest, Michael. Got to be on. Got to be honest. Um, I didn't expect them to, uh, to to work alongside people who did nothing pre-takeover, but say that they didn't want a Saudi takeover and um, um, and, and were completely against Saudi ownership. But um, you know, but that's happened as well. Uh, Mitch, the floor is yours. Um. <clears throat> I've got to say I've taken this a little personally. Um, I was really quite disappointed. Um, the process didn't seem to have been the process I was told initially it would go under. I was told initially that there would be a degree of input of voting from season ticket holders for the um, the posts which uh, aren't uh, permanent ones like NUSC, Nudza and, and United for Pride. Um, that never happened. I was then told the applications would be vetted by um, somebody in support of services and two independent people, all of whom have never been named. And I know most of the people from an international point of view who applied for the role. And I know many of them who I would have no qualms them fulfilling the role because I know they'd do it the right way and would come with all the questions from the right angles. And yet, I don't know any of them who were even interviewed. It just seems to have been a done deal. Um, let's say this about the international appointee. She's been hung out to dry by the club already. Yeah. Whoever allowed that bio to go out, with that line in, saying I've been a supporter since the takeover, um, one shot. And I got tickets for these games. Yeah. The, the, she's really been hung out to dry by that being allowed. Now, if that's what she has the balls to say, <laughs> fair enough. I find it interesting that people that jump to our defence have been people who've been on the American tour that she apparently put a lot of work into. Um, however, the New York mags, that social media is dead. I don't know how they're working at the minute, but I am led to believe from international connections that I have that she did indeed do a lot of work and is an interesting individual and is smart and all of those things. Um, however, this is why when I was having a little run at Geordie's, yeah, Geordie's there a little while ago, um, there is seemingly a large section of our fan base who was taken for granted who uh, seems to have less and less representation less and less connection with the people in power um, less and less attachment I feel further disenfranchised at the moment in many ways shouldn't mention franchise Mick Not well, well disenchanted and I've also had a couple of people speak to us and say, well, it'll not bother me, it'll not affect me. This, these appointments, if an FAB is to be used properly, are critical appointments to guide how the, the club goes. And I'll say to those people who think they'll never be affected by this, there's a vote. They want to change what club badge or they want to change what name. Are you convinced that you'll get fair representation on how your feelings are 
about something as critical as that. Mitch, from they'll, be put there. they'll be put there because when these big decisions come, they'll just nod and say, yes, we're grateful to be in this position. And then when the club get questioned on it, they'll say, the fans advisory board approved this, they agree to it. That's it. I don't, don't see how this is a step forward from the... Um, the, the the fans liaison committees and fans liaison panels that the trust railed so hard against i don't see how to step forward from that at all um it it worries me that this has now been done almost like a box ticking exercise Absolutely. so if it is just say if you have handpicked people to go on it just say be honest about it I was told it wouldn't be anything like Spurs' fans' advisory board. It's blueprint copy. We just copied the homework. Um, and having said that, having seen what they're doing, and having seen the minutes of the Everton one and seen some of the things they've done on the back of their points deduction, I wouldn't be happy with my name going to some of those letters that they've put out. Quite embarrassing, to be honest with you. I, I keep... Coming back to, I'm grateful to have a platform where I can have an independent voice and not becoming part of something like that doesn't take that independent voice away. But I would be lying if I didn't say I feel ever more disenfranchised on the back of this than I have in a long time. Um, disappointed doesn't sum it up. Um, and just little things just shows how it should be taken much more seriously. Some of those photos that people have submitted to say this is this represents me as I represent you. Yeah. You don't want a holiday snap. You don't want a selfie where it looks like a beer's been cut out of the corner. It's, this This should be something different level. But again, it comes back to, I don't think, some of the people involved in some things like NUST at the minute and some of the people getting involved with this genuinely realise the gravity of the appointments that they're taking and what they could be doing for the good of the game, the good of our club and the good of the fans. Um, and I'm really, really disappointed in the feedback and lack of feedback that I've had. I would love to know what the thinking is to appoint certain individuals over the top and how two independent people allegedly looking at it could shape it um it just feels hand-picked and it feels like if you've got a good relationship with certain individuals you, you'll you'll have the door open to you in many ways shape or form Lots of comments coming in. Uh, lots of people saying great show. And uh, thanks to Mark. He's uh, chipped in quite a bit tonight. He says, uh, superb show today. Always common sense and realism. Uh, top, top men. We'll finish on a football note. Uh, Tom Dixon says, with the current form and, and you know what we've had to put up with over the last uh, four weeks, where do you think we'll finish, Stu? Um, sitting here in January, two-week break. You've already said FA Cup. You think we could win it. League, we've got a, we've got a good run in. Really, when you look at it, um, play Aston Villa, we'll have played them twice, Manchester United, um, Liverpool, Man City. Um, you know, we, we, we have got a good run in, and we've only got Man United to play, haven't we? We haven't got we haven't played them twice. We've got Arsenal away as well, Chelsea yep. away, 
Uh, but then we've got like, the likes of Tottenham at home, Brighton at home. There's, we've got a lot of scores to settle from when we were ravaged with injuries. And as long as God's not a complete, I better not say the word I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, th things will balance themselves out over the season and, and we'll get players back. I still think we'll get at least one new player in. Um, and I honestly think we'll finish the season with a rattle. Uh, the, the players are hurt. They know that they're putting ring on the floor. And I'm sure a lot of them are frustrated when they're going to training every day and they're getting a bonjour from Tenali, who's picking up like a bigger wage than the vast majority of them. And he's, they know the, they would want him in the trench. Well, he's Italian, so maybe they might not want him in the trenches with them, but he could have helped the, the cause a bit more. So going on to next season, he's got a part to play and a lot of making up do. But for this season, I, I honestly think if you look at the fixtures we've got coming up uh, after Aston Villa, take out Chelsea away, Arsenal away, I think there's a run of about nine or ten games that are all very, very winnable with the team that we've got, but then add four or five people out of the ten that are injured coming back. And, and by the time that happens, by the time we get, I think we'll go full strength at Fulham and I, I think we'll blow them out well, into their water because the, the Thames is just behind their ground. Uh, then the acid test will be Aston Villa, who didn't look that great today. You know, so they're maybe in need of a break. Maybe they're, they can't. If, I think if we get beat up Villa and that's five games in a row, then all the keyboard warriors come out. But you've got to look at the bigger picture. Get that out of the way, at least with a point. Uh, and then watch us climb that table. And then it's a challenge. And sometimes it's better to be chasing than to be chased. And because you've got nothing to lose. And the momentum will be with us. And even in the Eddie first half season, after we won at Leeds, there, there was a monumental swing where we went on a stupid run against teams that we couldn't even hold a candle over the first part of the season. And we, we swiped them away the second part. Last season, we did the same, and I think this season we're more than capable of finishing strong because the only distraction they've got is the FA Cup. There's no League Cup now, sadly. There's no European Champions League, sadly. We've got the FA Cup, but which means more time on the training pitch, more time on little drills, more times on planning things, and they're not sitting on aeroplanes trying to recover, getting, getting home three in the morning, then recovering the next day, body clocks all over the place. Uh, I honestly think that we can finish sixth at least, and I wouldn't be surprised to say fifth because I think I think some of those teams will fade. And regarding spending money and that we haven't done it yet, not many other teams have spent money. Have they? It's not just affecting us; just it, it means more to us. Well, maybe it doesn't. Depends if you're on the fans' advisory board or not. But it, it means it means more to us because it's our club. But there's not many looking to spend money. So fifth or sixth, I, I honestly think we can get there. I've gone seventh, and I think we'll have a good run in the FA Cup. Whether we'll get to the final or not, I do not know. Uh, Mitch? We've almost got to treat this second half of the season with the fixtures that we've got. Like that season, you said, we're from relegation. If yeah. we can go on a run like that, yes, we're not starting on the bottom. We're starting ninth, tenth. <laughs> it's a different beast, and we've got an opportunity to do that the way the the way the the fixtures have run out. Um, FA Cup becomes key to keeping some 
real interest in the season. Um, and again, we've got a good chance to progress. It's a, it's a team we can beat and we know we can beat. Yes, we're away from home. But, uh, and yes, it's a stupid kickoff time for our lads and lasses getting back and all of that. But that's the kind of adversity we often shine through. So there's a lot to be positive about. Um, again, frustration. And, and that's what I am at the minute in, in many, many ways, as was probably obvious from some of the things I've said today. Uh, frustration on lots of levels for me personally. Um, but it's very, very um, much still in our own hands. With the set of fixtures that we have, we can go on a damn good run from here, get Valera out of the way, and then we really are in a in a, in a you know on a on a nice path to the end of the season, and that can only be good with players coming back, etc. Yeah, six points off six places is, is all you need to know, guys. Um, it's uh, it's it's not a crisis uh, by any means. You know, we're only four wins away from fourth place in Arsenal, but uh, you know, I think six players seven, six would be fantastic with with the season that we've had and you know what we've had to go through with injuries. Um, but lots of football to be played. Uh, the season isn't uh, defined in January, and um, I'm sure Eddie Howe and the, the lads will put a run together. I will finish off on Spenny's um, message, which he sent. Uh, it was just his, his letter from Sarah Metcalf at Newcastle United. Um, thank you for your recent application to join Newcastle United's Fan Advisory Board. Over 400 supporters from the UK and abroad submitted applications. A fantastic response from our committed, passionate fan base. Uh, unfortunately, you've not been successful uh, in securing an interview to be a supporter rep. Uh, on the Newcastle United FAB. We really do appreciate you taking the time to submit the application and for your interest in being a part of the board. This is the interesting bit. Uh, it just says each supporter application was reviewed by the FAB selection panel individually. The panel consisted of two independent representatives, one Newcastle United representative, <clears throat> and the panel then selected a shortlist for interview. Interviews will be held next week for the five supporter representative places available. So, I mean, yeah, look, that I mean... They got back in touch with Spenny, as I'm sure they got back in touch with Mitch. With the same stock letter. Yeah, so that's it, really. I would so, see if there was 400 applicants and this yeah. was the end of November, so six weeks. Yeah. And there's three on the board, as they're saying, and plus uh, other people who are claiming they'll, they'll take the chair, as in Darren Eels. So let's say three of them, four of them, 100 people each. Yeah. 10 minute interview. Over six weeks, they could, they could do it an hour, an hour twice a week. They haven't done the maths properly on this, but they could have interviewed everyone. How can they look at someone's CV, as I said earlier about Mitch, who created the Castellanos Sports Trust, was the interim chair, has done all the all this to say he's not worthy of an interview. Never mind the job. That's what's got my back up. It's like speak to everyone individually and then discard them. Don't just get rid the same letter. Same, yeah, same stock response. Yeah, they've yeah, filled something in online and answer questions online about what you'd done and what, why you felt you were, um, were you know why you were applying and why you felt you'd, what you'd feel you'd bring to the table, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I know Roy in in Qatar spent about two and a half hours filling his his in. He Where? was, I was saying it, it's, it's a slap in the face, Mitch. Just but to, people like no. you, Roy Caviari, who we classify as a friend, he's, he's a good lad, Roy. He, yeah, he can be he can be outspoken, but 
he's supporting your customer for 30 odd years. And like you said, he's put two and a half hours into a rule that for me was already decided. And that is what's wrong. That's not fair on, on you it's or anyone else, any of the other 400 who applied. But yeah, we'll, we'll look on board. And then you get people who can't even take their sunglasses off for a photo. It's to say, I'm representing you as fans. It's, it's, it's seriously, maybe it's just me against the middle classes again, but it, it stinks. That's what it does. But anyway, we're going to Great win the show. Great show. <laughs> 90 minutes. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, folks. I can see you have. Mark Ritchie says, sixth place for me. Look at the draw with the FA Cup. Very capable on our day. Great show, lads. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks for the feedback. Thanks to all the uh, mods. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Thanks to those who sent in questions uh, separately on different forms of social media. I'm back tomorrow night, six o'clock, uh, with the fans forum. But for now, it's good night from me, good night from Mitch, and good night from Stu. Take care, lads. Have a good night.